Here's what's coming up on this week's show. I spend most of my time now speaking to people and helping and coaching them to look at things from a different perspective. I have this saying that when, you, when you're in the picture, you can't see the frame. The beat. Welcome to the Big Little Business Show, the podcast that helps small business think big. Hey, hey, how you doing? Welcome to the Big Little Business Show. It's Paul Mumford over here, the lovely Claire Horsley over there. Claire, I have a question. Go on then. In fact, I think... <laughs> what now? Oh, I know what your questions are like. <laughs> I need to bring the listener in on this so they understand the context behind the question. When uh, Claire and I record these, obviously we have done all of these episodes during uh, the COVID crisis. So we're, we've never recorded a podcast in the same room together. Uh, so we record our bits and pieces. We do it over Zoom so we can see one another. But then uh, we turn the video off because if you can't see us, then we, we want to be able to talk so we can't see one another because sometimes your language changes and stuff. It's, a, it's an, it's an audio-only podcast after all. Anyway, that means I can't see what Claire's doing and Claire can't normally see what I'm doing. However, this is the question, Claire. Do you still talk with your hands? Yeah, I know that you were going to ask that because I do. I do. And you were, you were just doing it. You... I was doing it. There's no one there. But I'm like doing the whole hand thing. I do. I do. Yeah, I do talk with my hands all the time. Um, and yeah, even though you can't see the video, it just seems it seems to be part of the whole communication strategy. It just makes a difference when you're using your hands to help yourself speak. But I don't know what the hands have got to do with the voice box. I don't understand the connection. No, I, I know, it's weird, isn't it? I remember when, when I was a kid, um, back in the days before we had mobile phones and back in the days before we had even cordless phones, um, you'll obviously be aware that we used to have a phone like in the hallway or in the living room and it was tied to a cable. And I always remember my mum being on the phone and whenever she was on the phone, she'd be doing this stuff with her hands. And I look at her and think, well, that person can't see you. Why are you doing that? But now yeah. I know why you, because you can't not do it. It's a bit like it's a bit like trying to walk with your arms not moving, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I wonder what that is like. That probably really, really affects your balance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I t I'm t sorry, I do. Yes, is the answer to your question. So I'm going to do the whole podcast with my arms folded and see if my performance weakens as a result. Should we try and not move? It's like losing a superpower, isn't it? Assume not move. It's <laughs> <laughs> a superpower. I don't like it. It feels really strange. I'm going to sit on my hands, see if I can do it. Go on then. So every week, I can't, I'm doing it already, I can't, I've got to, got to move my hands, I feel weird already, I haven't even started. So every week we bring an expert on, on a, or an entrepreneur who's got a story to tell or something that's going to help your business to grow and thrive. So you'll always come away with some useful advice on this show. And I think we're going to get lots of useful advice today uh, because our subject today is... How do you bounce back from failure? Yeah, we're going to be talking to Dean Fox uh, about this subject, who has um, an incredible story about how he bounced back from failure. Um, and now what he does is he coaches other business owners to identify how they too can move forward from failing in their businesses. This is the Big Little Business Show. My, my first having everything, if you like, was I'd strived all through my life to... And to be the best that I possibly could in everything that I did. You know, that culminated with me having a really good corporate career, the house, the car, the good job, expense account, nice holidays. At that point, I still didn't really feel fulfilled. I still felt there was something missing. And so I left the corporate world and, and set up my own business. Um, my wife and I went into property. We did really well. Uh, if I'm being honest, you know, if I had a checklist of things that I wanted in terms of this will this will make me successful, I'll be successful when. 
um, I'd probably ticked off a fair few of those um, by that time. 2008 came along without being able to predict what was going to happen in 2008. Everybody's world changed, not just ours at the time, but, but everybody's world changed. We affected by the financial crisis. The things that happened after that were the things that, that kind of really brought me back down to earth, if you like. I went from having this, you know, having everything ticked off on my checklist of what will make me happy and make me feel successful to, um, you know, almost closing the door one night in the office and then not being able to reopen it the next day. The whole world, the landscape had changed. It looked completely different 12 hours later. And lots of the things that we had in the pipeline at the time just kind of fell apart. That causes a number of problems, obviously mainly financial. The financial difficulties during that period obviously put us under real pressure. But um, I wasn't expecting what happened in early 2010. Uh, and my wife and I and my younger son at the time, we were involved in a, a really bad road traffic accident. In fact, we were almost killed in it. And that meant that we, the plan I had to just to go back and work uh, and get through the the difficulties um, just wasn't possible. I couldn't. I didn't work for about twelve months after that. Goodness. So you, you were injured injured significantly from the crash that it, it meant you couldn't work for a year. Yeah. So you know there was there was the physical injuries that came with that. My wife had similar injuries, so she she also couldn't work, and that ultimately led to a point where I I I ended up bankrupt. I, I saw no real way out at the time. I think the the biggest problem for me after that was not so much the physical injuries after that, I was starting to recover from that. I could see an, you know, an end to that. The really difficult bit was, was kind of the, um, the mindset, the mental, um, difficulties I faced, particularly in that nine or 10 months. Any normal human being would go through, um, some real mental hardship through those experiences you've gone through the financial ones. Uh, and of course the accident as well. But then on top of that, you kind of went into that, situation already beginning to doubt whether this was kind of what you wanted to do in the first place so I guess you had that on top of all the other stuff yeah and and I think that you know when you come from a space you know things I've learned now but when you come from a space of already having some element of self-doubt I look back now and some of the reasons I see for the the way I went after life at the time the you know the reason I always wanted to be the best there was always an element of, of self-doubt that existed at the time I I must have had uh, and I often talk about it now, this idea, it wasn't a phrase that I knew then, but people talk about imposter syndrome, um, this idea of, you know, maybe I'm not as good as I think I am and um, someone's going to find me out at some point. There were things that I actually felt at various points in my life, even when I was, you know, re- what most people would say was reasonably successful. I still had some of those doubts. And so when you when you hit the road bump, if you like, um, then those doubts are just amplified. So December 2010, I... I'd made a decision. It was early one morning and I said to, to Christine, my wife, that um, I needed to go out and get some fresh air. I needed some thinking space. I needed to clear my head. And I went for a walk near to some woodland where I where we lived. And the truth of that was that I wasn't going out for a walk to clear my head. I, I had no intention of coming home that day. Um, I'd made a decision that the world would be a better place. And more importantly for me at the time, that I think I felt my family would be better off without me. Um, that I was the reason that they were they were feeling or suffering the hardships that that they were going through, um, and so I, I'd gone out that day to to take my own life. And people often say to me, "What what stopped you? What what happened that day that made you not go through with that?" 
it's really difficult to describe, but the best way to describe it is I, the, I felt it exactly the same when we had the car accident. There's a moment, and again, it could have lasted for longer than just a moment, or it might have only lasted a few seconds. I don't really know. But it was a moment where when I'd made the decision that that's what I was going to do, everything went into slow motion. I still had an awareness of, of what, what was going on around me, but everything just seemed to really slow down. And I, for the first time in a, a, a really long time, I, I, I didn't feel any stress or worry or pressure or fear or anything. I just felt really calm. And I think that little bit of space, however long that was, was enough um, for me to see perhaps a bit of light at the end of the tunnel, to ask myself some questions. Um, and the biggest one for me was, you know, I could have, I could have died nine, 10 months before that in a car accident. And I didn't. And my question to myself was, well, why? So why, why should I end it now? What, why now having gone through all of this, what, there must be a reason that I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing this. There must be a reason why I didn't, um, I didn't die in that car accident. And those questions were enough to kind of get me to start thinking about, well, okay, maybe there is a purpose, maybe there's something else, and maybe I need to find out what that is, and now is not the right time to be doing what I'm about to do. Goodness me. There was a book, wasn't there? There was one book, and uh, and almost this book is now your Bible. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I'd gone back home um, that day after that after that walk, and I, I think I was looking for, I don't know, I, I say I was looking for some level of inspiration or something, something just to kind of, I felt like, put me back on track somewhere. And I'd gone into the to the office that we had at home and I'd taken a book from the bookshelf. I'd read this book before and never really got anything from it, if I'm being honest. The copy I took from the bookshelf, my son had bought me it um, on our last trip in 2008. So just before everything happened, the book was called Think and Grow Rich. And But that day, I, I, I couldn't put it down. I saw things in that book that I'd never seen before. Um, and obviously, they were always there. Um, but I... I I say it to lots of people now when, when you read things that you, it, it's not that you didn't see them before. It's that you didn't see things in yourself before when you read it in that in a different space. For a lot of people, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill is a book that a lot of people know about. Just briefly explain what it's about and, and also why it sort of spoke to you so much at this, which was pretty low point for you. The book was written by Napoleon Hill, um, supposedly following a conversation um, between him and um, the steel magnate at the time, Andrew Carnegie, where Carnegie had said that he wanted somebody to report and develop, um, if you like, a, a playbook for success. Uh, based on his own principles and that he was going to introduce Napoleon Hill to um, the most successful people of his generation that, that Carnegie knew. Um, and Hill's job was to report back um, and collate all the information from those people. So it's supposedly that the, the study of 500 of the most successful people of his generation that took 20 plus years for him to, uh, to pull together. And it contains 13 principles the underlying theme through lots of the things that Hill talks about in some of the principles were all around kind of um, the way that the mind works about, you know, having the right mindset about setting yourself up for, for success and how your relationships and your connections and networks, this mastermind principle that, that Hill talks about how that plays together in terms of um, elevating you to, um, the next level, if you like, or the level of the people that you're surrounded by. So it kind of spoke to me, I think, because I was in a place where I, I, I was already struggling from, a, from you know, a, a mindset, a mental health perspective. 
and I was really trying to um, to find out things about myself. I think that's why it spoke to me the most. Was it? It really kind of got me thinking about. Okay, so if this is all true that it is down to me, and it's about the way that I think about things, then you know what what does that mean, and how can I make changes to that? Did a light switch on for you? And a lot of people talk about that, and I talk about that as well uh, about how suddenly you think, oh, okay, that that's like that, and that's how it works. Or was it like a gradual sort of dimmer switch going on? What happened at that moment in time? There was a real light bulb moment in terms of okay, maybe I've got this all wrong, maybe. Maybe some of the things I was thinking about before, maybe I should have implemented them the way this way. The dimmer switch bit, if you like, was that it didn't happen overnight. You know, even though I'd read the book and there was elements of it that I thought, this is amazing. There was still parts of it where I thought, yeah, but surely it can't be just like that. You know, you can't just work like that. So I, I wanted to go out and test it. I, I took some of the principles that are in there and were like, right, I'm going to, I'm going to, if he, if he reckons this is how it works, I'm going to go and do it. And if it works, then I'll be able to agree and say to people, yeah, it does work. So it took me a while to kind of get to that point. But my light bulb moment was that, okay, there's there's another way. Um, and and it doesn't have to be the way that I thought it had to be. So uh, what is it you you do now? Um, what is it you're up to now, Dean, after this incredible journey you've had? Um, I spend most of my time now, and I'm and I'm really blessed to be able to do this, um, um, speaking to people, mainly business owners and other entrepreneurs, um, and helping and coaching them to look at things from a different perspective. I have this, I have this saying that when, you, when you're in the picture, you can't see the frame. I spent a long time between kind of, well, most of my life, but certainly between kind of 2000, early 2000s when we set up the business through to 2011, 2012, um, that sort of time frame. I spent a lot of the time in the picture. I couldn't see anything outside of that. And sometimes I've realized that what you need is you need someone whether it's somebody else or whether it's just um, a book or, or hearing somebody talk, but you need someone just to give you a bit of a different perspective, a different view on what it is that you're looking for. Lots of people develop this when then mentality. And I certainly had that. I was waiting for something. So, you know, I'd be happy when, and I'll be successful when, and I, I realized during the, this journey over the last decade, if you like, that actually I have everything already. I don't need anything else. Happiness is something I have. It's not something I get. Um, and I, and I, I spend my time sharing that with people, but also helping them if they're in one of the two positions um, that most people come to, which is either they're in a position where they're growing a business and struggling to get to the next level, mainly because they, they believe something about themselves. So a bit like I did, that they're either struggling with some self-doubt or self-belief or they're procrastinating. Um or they're afraid of something. Or at the other end, I've worked with quite a few people who um, have been successful in business and have um, either exited and sold the company. Um, so, you know, again, to all intents and purposes, they've got, you know, the life that everyone wants, but they feel unfulfilled. And, and part of the reason for that is that they probably set about their business at the beginning without thinking about what it was they really wanted. Yeah, yeah, I think this really highlights how individual uh, business is um, and how success looks so different uh, for many different people and you've talked about blame and, and self-doubt self um, and those challenges and how important it is to overcome those and what I'd like to ask you is how important do you feel it is to actually make mistakes in business? I have a saying that um, I stole from somebody else and it's but it's become a bit of a mantra that you know I don't believe we ever fail 
um, we either win or we learn. I read a, an article a while ago now, and I, I actually can't remember who, who wrote it. One of the things he said in there, which struck a chord with me, was he said that every, t- every day when his, when his children came home from school, uh, they sat down at the table uh, for, for dinner, and he would ask them a question, which was, tell me something you failed at today. And they had to, to come up with something that they tried that didn't, didn't work out the way they expected. And he would high-five them at the table and say, that's awesome job, make sure you do that tomorrow. Um, so that they they grew up with this idea that that was okay, and I could go out and make as many mistakes as I wanted because I was just learning. Having failed, do you find that because of that failure, you appreciate um, what you have now a whole lot more? Whereas if you were doing this from a very young age, perhaps you might not have experienced, might might not have appreciated it as much. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I'm I'm a huge believer now in that. That first of all, everything that happens to us happens for a specific reason. Um, in fact, somebody posted something about today about what would you tell your younger self? And I'd commented to say that the only thing I would tell myself was everything that's happening is supposed to happen exactly as it is. And don't worry about it. Don't be stressed about it. You'll end up exactly where you're supposed to end up. Because I think too often we're too focused on all of the external stuff. We're too worried about you know what house we live in, what car we drive, you know how much money we earn, what holidays we go on. Um, and I think that, you know, particularly with what we're going through right now in terms of pandemic, et cetera, I think people are starting to realise that actually none of those things are that important. Yeah, totally right. It has shifted a lot of people's thoughts, hasn't it? Yeah, and I think that, you know, I, I learned that, um, you know, 10 plus years ago because of what I went through. Um, and had I not gone through that, maybe maybe the pandemic might have hit me really hard. I don't know. Yeah, um, it's, it's interesting uh, talking about this because, I mean, I know myself, for, for one, I really struggled with um, my own self-doubt and comparing myself to other people. Um, and sometimes I feel it, it can be really easy to look at somebody else's journey and think you should be doing the same um, and actually lose track of actually why you started to do what you did in the first place. Um, and then, of course, the fear of failure um prevents you moving forward so how much do you think the fear of failure prevents businesses surviving and thriving fear only can only exist in one of two spaces it can only exist in the future or in the past it never exists in the present moment we're only ever afraid now based on what we think might happen in the future or something you know might repeat itself that's happened in the past if, if we focus on where we are now right now in this present moment then we're, we're not afraid of anything and in that present moment, you know, there, there is nothing else. There's only where you are right now. The problem with things like fear of failure and other things is they become building blocks that support specific behavior patterns. The reason that lots of businesses don't reach the level that they should or business owners don't take the actions that they, they, they even, even know sometimes that are going to give them success, they still don't take those actions. Um, so they end up in this pattern of behavior of procrastination where they just can't seem to get some level of momentum they can't take that next step we end up with this pattern of behavior that repeats itself because it's built on on a series of of blocks foundational things that that we believe about ourselves individually that support that pattern of behavior and every time we move forward or we take we try and take some action that pattern repeats itself we we compare ourselves to that pattern all the time so you know when we talk about things that we believe about ourselves, most people's personality, most people's belief system, it's usually complete by the time they're about five, six or seven years old. 
And, and all we look to do for the rest of our lives is validate that that's true. So when people say, you know, I, I don't want to take that because um, I've seen this happen before. I've tried to do this in the past and it didn't work out. That's a repeating pattern that's bound to happen because we're looking for reasons to, to prove that to be true about ourselves. And when we're talking about some quite big topics here, while we're on the subject of big topics, I think the biggest topic, and you touched on it earlier on when we were talking about your time when you went for that walk in the woods and you had that sort of almost a moment of clarity. Claire and I often joke about on this show, there are lots of common themes. We call it big little business show bingo because a lot of people say a lot of the same stuff. And there's a lot of, doesn't matter who we talk to, the threads are there. One of the bigger ones of those is how you, you're more likely to succeed in business if you're doing something that you love and something you're passionate about. Do you think people are sort of scared to ask that big question and delve within themselves and find out what they really want to do? I, well, I think so. I think that what happens, Paul, is there's two aspects to that. First of all, there's a big push at the minute, I think, because people are starting to realize that there's lots of people out there now, particularly in the personal development world, for example, talking about, you know, find out what you love to do, find out what you're passionate about, find out what your purpose is, and, um, and go do that which is great. But I think that what happens is it puts people, it puts a bit of pressure on people to start to think, okay, well, what is it that I really want to do? And, and that can be a really big thing. It can be a big decision for people. And, and there are a number of people that I've spoken to recently as well, who've said, but I don't really know what I want to do yet. Sometimes you can look so hard that you can't find it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one of the things that I I'm a big believer in is, and I said this, I say this about my own, my own journey is that um, I don't believe that you find a purpose. I, I don't believe you go out and search for and find a purpose. I think a purpose finds you. I think it almost claims you. That's kind of what happened to me. I didn't kind of make a decision, you know, five, six, seven years ago that I, I wanted to be, um, you know, a speaker or a motivational speaker or even a coach. I just, it just happened. It's, it claimed me on the basis that people started to say to me, look, you've made some changes in, in your life, would you come and share what you've done with, you know, with our company or with, with my business contacts or, um, or even just with me. Um, and that led to people saying, you know, that, that was really good. I've really enjoyed your story and the way that you've, you've made changes. Do you think you could help me? I, I, that resonated with me. I'm struggling with that. I don't believe, although I do believe that this is my purpose, I, I didn't go out there looking for it. It, it almost came looking for me. I know um, Claire wants to ask a question about your mindset, but before we come on to that, I think another topic that is almost a similar sort of misunderstood topic, I think, um, when people are asking themselves big questions about them and you know, their business and all that, is the word success. And I think a lot of people have a bit of a misunderstanding about what that means because the answer is different for everyone, isn't it? Yeah, I, I often say that we see success through the prism of our own reality. Um, and so the, the best definition I ever came up with um, of success, it belongs to Earl Nightingale, although I've kind of claimed it because Earl Nightingale said that he had this, uh, his title when he was uh, um, out and about as a speaker was the Dean of Personal Development. Um, but I've claimed that now because obviously I'm the Dean of Personal Development. <laughs> I like what you did there. <laughs> but his, his definition of success from the, the Stranger Secret um, was that success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. And I, I love that because his view is that if somebody's made a decision that that's what they want to do um, and they're pursuing it, in other words, they're progressing towards that, 
then they are successful already. And he, he goes on to say that's whether it doesn't matter whether that person's decided they want to be a school teacher, a doctor, whatever it is, a mechanic, whatever they're doing, if they're doing it on purpose because that's what they want to do, then they are successful. That's a great answer. Isn't it? I love that. I love that. I was just digesting that. So, um, so uh, there's a lot of talk at the moment, and well, I think there always has been about mindset and you know a healthy mindset but uh, what I'd like to ask you is what do you actually consider to be a healthy mindset because we all respond to things in different way and actually sometimes people work very well with a bit of urgency and some people don't. There's two big things for me in, in when, we, when people talk about mindset. The first one I suppose is this, um, this idea of kind of positive thinking there are no such things, in my opinion, as negative or positive thoughts. There are just thoughts. Thoughts are just like clouds in the sky. They, they come and go. They're transient. They drift. You know, we can be thinking about one thing one second and something else in five seconds later. We have a thought and then we suddenly go, I don't want to think that because that's a negative thought. Um, that starts to generate negative emotions. That I don't want to be doing that. I want... And, and one of the things I learned early on in personal development is that there's a saying by Bob Proctor that what we, what we resist persists. So if, if we've been telling ourselves that we need to think positively and we shouldn't think negatively and there are, we don't want to feel like this, then every time we're pushing anything away, it's, it's hanging around, it's staying strong because we, we're effectively giving that our attention and our focus. So people say to me, well, I end up in this downward spiral. Well, that's where it's going because effectively what happens is you're giving focus and attention to what you perceive to be um, a negative thought. Billy Connolly, um, <laughs> I remember him saying once at a, a concert he delivered, he said that um, the mountain rescue people in Scotland were, were forever sick of you know rescuing people on Ben Nevis wearing shorts and um, flip flops, because um, <laughs> he said, "There's no such thing as bad weather. There's just the wrong clothes." <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And 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 I, I I have that sort of approach to to positive and negative thinking. For me, there's there's no such thing as you know positive and negative thoughts. There's just the wrong approach to it. We just we we're seeing it in the wrong way. Our interpretation of what's going on is what's the problem. That is so true because two people could be in a certain situation and see it very very differently. And I think COVID's a good example of that because obviously you know some businesses have suffered from it. That's very sad to see. But some people have then seen COVID as an opportunity and thought, why? Well, how can I? shift and how can I move this differently? Um, so it's the same problem, but just looking at it from a different perspective. Absolutely. You know, I talk about 2008 um, being a pivotal year, both for me and everything else. Because when I look back now, in 2008, all I saw um, were, were obstacles. Yet in 2008, there were businesses launched, which are billion dollar brands today, Uber, Facebook, you know, some of those businesses launched during the, the worst financial crisis that most people had ever experienced. So they saw an opportunity when everyone else saw an obstacle. And so I talk about this idea that, you know, if you imagine being at the, the, the start of a 110-meter hurdle, you know, in the Olympic final, when, when you're down at the blocks looking up, all you see are hurdles. The question that the Olympic champion asks himself, I suppose, is are those hurdles in the way? Or are they just on the way? Yeah, that's great. I love, I'm writing that down. Are they in the way or are they on the way? And too many times, you know, myself included, particularly in 2008, 
I saw them on, I saw them in the way. Yeah. It was just an obstacle. But other people saw them as being on the way to where they needed to be. It's the unpredictability, isn't it? And I think some maybe it's a protective measure to instead of risking it and feeling uncomfortable, just keep yourself in that comfort zone. The perspective for most people on a what if question is what if it doesn't work? What if I lose everything? What if I fail? What if I don't get what I want? What if other people think I'm stupid? What we all, everybody's viewpoint is from that perspective. Nobody says, I'm, I'm thinking about this and what if it works? What if it changes my life? What if I inspire another hundred people to do the same? What if people hold me up as a, we don't ever think like that. Most people only think of the worst case scenario. What if this doesn't work? Uh, these are good questions to ask and good things to learn about yourself because once you, uh, like we've said before, once you ignore the hurdles or you open the door, then you're not holding yourself back anymore, eh? You're kind of giving yourself so much more opportunity and that can only make your business grow. And, you know, people often say, um, you know, I'm, I'm afraid of, of what this uncertainty in the future, you know, the all of these things could potentially happen. Um, and my answer to that is always, you're right, they could potentially happen, but they're just one possibility of a, of a million potential possibilities that could happen at that point in the future. And unless you start moving forward, you don't know what other opportunities exist. You don't know whether that outcome is the only outcome or whether there are potential other outcomes. So do you think along the way, is there any right time to invest in you as the individual behind the business? Because sometimes I wonder whether we get caught up so much with where we want the business to be. What about you know where we need to be? To be successful? When people say is there a right time, I think the only right time is when the individual is ready. Um, you know, I, the number of times I have conversations with people who say, Oh, I'm gonna introduce you to a you know a business contact or a friend of mine or whatever, because you could really help them. And my answer always is, do they want help? Because if they if they don't, then you you introducing them to me is not actually gonna help them in any way, shape, or form because they're not they're not ready to do anything. So I don't think there's necessarily a, a kind of a particular time. I think it's whenever it's right for the individual. However, I will caveat that by saying I do believe that no business will grow beyond the individual. If you're suffering with self-doubt or um, some limiting beliefs or you're struggling with procrastination or any of those behavior patterns. You imagine it's like driving a car with the handbrake on. I've been through this. I've been to motivational events. I've I've listened to people talk. I've left massively inspired and motivated, but it never lasts for very long. Simply because, you know, it's, you've still got the handbrake on. So all you do in those instances is you put a bigger engine in the vehicle, and it might get you a little bit more brake horsepower and you might go a little bit faster but unless you actually take the handbrake off you're not going to release what's available to you i love a good car analogy me <laughs> <laughs> there's so much great stuff there now before we um get some contact details off you um we have to finish off with the same set of questions we always finish off with and the more episodes claire and i do of this podcast the more interesting the answers become i these are all kind of inspired by a US TV show called Inside the Actor Studio. Uh, they're absolutely nothing to do with the subject matter that you're, you're here to talk about, but they're just for fun. It gets us inside your head a little bit. Not that we've got inside your head enough already. Um, <laughs> so let, let's, let's start off with number one. What's your favourite smell? Okay, so I, it took me a while to think about this. I've got two. Can I have two? You can have two. As it's you, Dean. An early morning when it's when it's... It's sunny, but you've they've still got like that dew on the grass. Mm. That kind of early morning. So if you ever get if we get the chance here when the weather's reasonable to sit outside and have breakfast, 
um, or just have a coffee or whatever. That that kind of smell from the, the the damp dew on the grass. This might have been on another podcast. They were talking about this, and I'm I'm going to look it up and find out what it is. But it's that that smell has got an actual name. It hasn't, has it? I need to find that out then, because we need to bottle it. I'm going to look it up. I, I'm I'm going to do that right now. So that that's one of them. It always reminds me of kind of um, waking up on a you know when you were on holiday. And the other one was when I when I first met my wife before we obviously before we were married, um, she used to wear a perfume, a very specific perfume. I don't even know if you can buy it anymore, um, but um, it, it it was one of those things that I, you know if she walked into a room, I could tell where she was. Oh yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Uh, by the way, it's not quite exactly the same thing as you described, Dean. Um, uh, the one I was thinking of is the it, it's described as the earthy scent produced when rain falls on dry soil. It's called petrichor. Okay. Petrichor. I've just I just saw that. So actually, my search brought up damp coursing. <laughs> 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 I didn't think that was. <laughs> I don't think so... that's what Dean was going for. <laughs> uh, yeah, it wasn't quite what we we're looking for there. Oh, was it? I love so... the smell of a bit of damp course, me. <laughs> you've obviously been on holiday to some construction sites. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, quite. Oh, dear. Okay, so what about. Um... This is one of our favourites, I think, probably, Paul, isn't it? Oh, I love is this your... question. <laughs> yeah. What's your favourite biscuit? <laughs> Favourite biscuit, so I'm a bit of a sweet tooth, so I like lots of biscuits, but um, my absolute favourite would have to be Jaffa Cake. <gasps> Do you know what? We had that no last way. week. How weird is that? Exactly <laughs> the same answer. Two weeks in a row. What are the chances? Biscuit or cake? What is it? Go on then, biscuit or cake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's got to be a biscuit. I would. I, I could eat a packet of those on my own. <laughs> Now, we had um, a guest on last week on the show who actually mm. answered this question. Apparently, and I still haven't looked this up to find out, apparently um, the, the whole thing went to court because of something to do with VAT, because there's VAT on biscuits and not cakes, or the other way around, I can't remember. Um, but there was a court case to determine whether a Jaffa cake was a, ba- a cake or a biscuit. And this isn't, this is not, we're not making this up. <laughs> this is true. Um, and apparently it's a cake. Right, well. There you go. Just remember that next time you eat your packet. Yeah. <laughs> so if ever you're asked again, Dean, what's your favourite biscuit? You can't I'll say Jaffa cake. I'd have to go over chocolate hobnobs now. What about your favourite movie? Now that that's a really really tough one because um, I I am a big movie fan and I, I've seen so many movies that that are really good. Um, but I think one that the one that if it was if it was on at any time, I could still go back and watch it over and over again in pursuit of happiness. Do you know what's funny? I, was, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Isn't that weird? That I thought I'm basically going to go for the pursuit of happiness. And yeah, wow. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised no one's mentioned that before because it is such a great film and obviously based on a true story. Yes. Oh, that's another one to my list. Oh, Claire, you've so got to see that film. It's probably on Netflix. You should go watch it tonight. It's such a powerful film, and, and uh, Will Smith is a master in it. And is it his son that's, in, that's playing his son in the film? It is, yeah. Yeah. Chris Gardner, who that story's about, I actually saw him speak live. Wow. One of the things that he does is he kind of holds his hands up in front of you with his two fingers, and one of them, the right-hand finger, is um, severely disfigured, kind of bent, shaped. And he said that the one thing about the film which wasn't correct was when you see Will Smith making his calls every day, he's got a push-button phone. And and Chris Gardner said we had dial phones, you know, the old way you had to... Yeah, put your finger in the hole. Claire won't remember these. No. Nope. Yeah, you had to put your finger in the hole and then, yeah. But, and actually, those... 
those things actually created quite a lot of traction, didn't they? Yeah. And what he said was that because he was ringing it like nonstop all day, it, it bent his finger. Wow. Yeah, you've still got to watch that, Claire. I mean, actually, I can quite understand now you said that why uh, that film must resonate with you in so many ways. Lords. I mean, like I say, I'm a big movie fan, so there are lots of films I really like, but that one is something that, you know, I could watch it virtually every night. Yeah, it's a great film. It's such an inspiring story. Uh, okay, like, final question then, uh, before we wrap up. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Um, I'd like him to say, welcome, I've been looking forward to meeting you, Dean. Oh, that's good. It's a bit sinister, though, Dean. <laughs> You sound you sounded actually really sinister when you said it. Would he be rubbing his hands together? <laughs> <laughs> like uh, what's um, Doctor Evil in Austin Powers, but like that, <laughs> yeah. which Claire won't know about because she never watches films. Oh, I really no. don't, do I? Look, I'm going to be watching this one. I promise. Over the weekend, Pursuit of Happiness. All right. Well, thank you, Dean. That's been so entertaining. We've had so many good, uh, so many deep questions to think about. And um, look, if people want to find out more, because I know you have loads of resources, tell us where how people can come and find you. Um, so they can they can find me at my website, which is deanafox.com. Um, and I'm on all the social channels, so Instagram and Facebook, at Dean Fox Coaching. This is the Big Little Business Show, the podcast with bigger tips for small business. So after listening to that, I have an idea. What's that? I think the 10th person to say that their favourite biscuit, stroke cake, is the Jaffa Cake should receive a complimentary box from the Big Little Business Show. Oh, we should send them a box of Jaffa Cakes because they're not yeah. biscuits. Shall we? Because they're cakes. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, oh, and maybe, we should, maybe we should be sending them out to our, our American guests as well because that would blow their minds, wouldn't it? I think that might tip them over the edge. Yeah, that's a great idea. We should so do that. And you really need to go and see The Pursuit of Happiness, by the way, because yeah. it's such a great film. I will, I will. I will. I've got that down to watch. Write that down on your list. Uh, but um, all that aside... Wow, Dean came out with some thought-provoking stuff. I knew he would, but I mean, I think he blew my mind a little bit. Yeah, me too. Uh, very powerful, actually, very powerful. And I made, I made uh, well, quite a few notes, um, but one of the ones in particular I really liked was uh, the, f the failure is not in the now. It's either in the past or in the future, but it's not at the present. No, that's very true, yeah. And uh, a lot of people fear failure, and, and in actual fact, what they're doing is fearing something that hasn't happened. Yeah, it's like we get our mindset to almost becoming psychics, <laughs> that we, we know what's going to happen, we prepare ourselves for it, but in reality, it hasn't happened yet. It's, uh, it shows how powerful the brain can be. Oh, yeah, there's some really interesting stuff. And one thing that he said, one little phrase that he said, which is like the, almost the quote of the interview for me, was, when you're in the picture, you can't see the frame. Mm. Yeah. You know, we were talking last week about Big Little Business Show Bingo. That's one of those subjects that's come up time and time again, isn't it? I think, when, I think when we have my brother on, Gary, talking about how to get out of a financial crisis, he was saying that you, know, you need someone else to be able to look at your business from the outside because you're too involved in it. And that's a similar thing to what Dean has just said. Yeah, I think, you know, the emotions are ever so strong. They're very strong in life in general. Um, and especially when it comes to your business, sometimes it's difficult to see the wood through the trees. 
Is that the right saying or have I just made that up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meow. Yeah, I think that's right. No, that, that sounds right to me. I, I, I'm still getting over the fact that I, I can't talk with my hands. <laughs> You're trying, aren't you? But you look really strange. You're sitting in a weird position. I've got my hands under the desk, holding them tightly together like I'm sort of holding some precious jewel in my hands or something. But I'm going to stop now. I'm going to start using my hands. You know, I'm relaxed. I feel fine. Very, that's a very interesting <laughs> exercise. It's very difficult to do. Very difficult to do. So every week we'd like to finish off the show by bigging up a business who's bumped into us on social media, uh, biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk or on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn or all the other platforms, or they've uh, been listening to the show. We'd like to give them a little bit of a boost and give them a bit of free publicity. So who are we bigging up this week? This week, I would like to big up Rob Partridge. Rob is a, a new listener and actually uh, first heard our show when we were interviewing the other Mumford, Gary Mumford. Oh, my brother, Ga- Gary Mumford, a couple of episodes, a few episodes ago. Yeah, so what's uh, where can we find Rob Partridge? Yeah, so you can... Aha! <laughs> that, was, that was terrible. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Rob Partridge is on LinkedIn. Um and he said he's going to look forward to tuning into all our future episodes after listening to your brother's podcast, which is fantastic. So Rob helps uh, business-to-business sales um, increase their sales through financial solutions. So he can be found on LinkedIn um, or his telephone number is 01482 I've just found him. So he lives in Newport. He does. All right. Hi, Rob. Thank you for... Uh, jumping on board and we hope you're still enjoying it and got a lot from the episode today and um, yeah there we are we've bigged him up so if you want to be bigged up on the show um, all you have to do is come and find us on social media we're on Instagram uh, we're on Facebook uh, we're on where else are we on we're on uh, LinkedIn of course I didn't mention that did I as we were talking about LinkedIn and uh, also you can go and check out our website which is biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk loads of information uh, on every single episode and don't forget whatever platform you're listening to us on uh, make sure you subscribe so you get all the future episodes and leave us a review please because that helps to big us up in podcast land and after all that uh, I'm off to go and eat some Jaffa Cake Stroke Biscuits and use my... I really fancy some Jaffa Cakes. <laughs> I really do. So do I now. And start using my hands again and Claire's going to go and watch the, the Pursuit of Happiness. Absolutely. Totes. Say goodbye, Claire. <laughs> Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Big Little Business Show with Paul Mumford and Claire Horsley. You can subscribe to get the latest episodes via iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and everywhere you find your favourite podcasts. Come and find us at biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk and we're on Facebook too. Just search for Big Little Business Show. The Big Little Business Show is a PM2 Media and Excel Networking production.